uh, reporting from New Mexico again on another episode of Green Jeans, where we talk about activism from a generational perspective. And I'm joined again by my co-host, Maya Van Rossum. <laughs> And I'm Annika Van Rossum. And so we always, we have a great episode today. We're gonna to talk about environmental um, movies, not documentaries, just things that we've enjoyed watching together separately, all that good stuff. But before that, we have to do our fact check. So what's our fact check? Fact check. So first of all, I wanna just say the reason why I'm in New Mexico again is because whenever a green amendment is advancing in a state, you know, we work in a very hands-on way. So if you, are in a community where a Green Amendment is advancing or you want to advance one, um, just know that you will have the opportunity to work with Annika and I in a really hands-on way to make it happen, along with others from the Green Amendments for the Generations team, Molly and Bridget and Quincy and Cameron. Um, so, but our fact check is a little bit different. Our fact check is, is it easy for a young person to work for their mother? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was the fact check because this is something like that I, I hear come up in different contexts like oh it's easy to work for your mother or I hear for other oh it must be so easy to work for your parent well I am just here to let folks know that I think it is very very difficult to work for um for your parent, at least when it's a parent that is very focused on success, whether it's Green Amendment success, environmental protection success, social justice success, or business success, because uh, you never get to get away from it. You never have any peace. Um, you're always accountable to your parent, both as a colleague, an employer, a boss, and as uh, a mother or a father um, or a parent of any kind. So <laughs> <laughs> the running joke is every, if there's ever like a new staff person at like Delaware River Keeper Network or Green Amendments, it's like, oh, I'm Annika. And I'm like, yes, I am Maya's daughter. I don't get away with anything. And then someone always chimes in. They're like, Annika probably actually has to do way more because she's Maya's daughter. Yeah. And when we're out in the world, I think that people hear that um, one of the colleagues in you know in work in my case it's in green amendment work and delaware riverkeeper work and and they meet annika and they learn that she's my daughter and somehow you know you get um perceived differently well i think the way you should perceive somebody in that role is like holy shit their life must be really different difficult professionally and personally because there's never there's never any peace you know annika and i visit for a cup of coffee or a holiday and inevitably there's a work assignment that's being given or asked about or expected or talked about and um when things aren't going the way that i would like them to go um she gets called to the carpet very very quickly um <laughs> <laughs> because uh, probably more strenuously than I might with um, other members of the team. So that's the fact check. If you know somebody who works for their parent, don't think that life is easy. Assume that life is very, very hard um, because I have very, very high expectations as I think other um, <laughs> employers do if their children or family members come work for them. Is that okay that I brought that up as the fact check? That's fine. I, okay. I don't care. It's I don't nothing. Know. There's something, I enjoy it. I would say that 
it's not difficult in the sense of like, I enjoy working for you, but there are definitely days where, especially I think it's the stress is where it's like when you're stressed, it's like, it's not just, oh, my boss is stressed. I'm like, oh God, my mom is stressed. Yeah. <laughs> like That's all, but it's actually, it's good. Yeah, I would say don't. Yeah, I think that's my fact check. Cause also of course, whenever I work for you, people are like, well, don't you want to work for someone else other than your mom? And I know the immediate perception is like, you must not be working as hard and you're doing it because it's your mom because you're easy. And I'm like, it's actually not. If you have a parent that actually cares about like the job they do and actually wants you to be successful in the job, it is not easy. You will work 10 times harder than I think other people. Not to say yeah. that other people don't also work hard, but that's a fun fact check. Yeah. Thanks and, for if, surprise. <laughs> and if she fell down on the job, believe you me, she would be fired very, very quickly. I get no, I can't fake a sick day. No, you <laughs> so okay so that's our fact check so now we can go on to our topic of non-fiction or no sit- fiction oh sorry fiction fiction but isn't there like it's kind of like historical fiction because a lot of um environmentally oriented fiction films there is a base of reality right in yeah. the in the in the messaging so um, but yes, no, this is not nonfiction. These are not documentaries, um, but there are movies that are enjoyable, but that have a great message. So Annika, do you want to pick the first movie? And by the way, this is not all inclusive. We're not going to cover all movies because too many, too many, too many good ones, too, too many, many good, good ones, ones to cover. So, um, so we didn't include one of your favorites. You should tell us and maybe we'll watch it and talk about it. Um, but we don't have time to watch all the movies as much as maybe we'd love a day off to watch all the movies. But it's no fine. days off. No days off. <laughs> no days off. Um, so there's no way we can start a movie conversation without talking about the Lorax. And I have to talk about the OG Lorax, not the new one. The new one's great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good. I think that was a nice reworked way of doing it. I wasn't super disappointed, but the original Lorax was my favorite and of course I think there's lots of baby tapes where you can see when I was allowed to watch television that there's the Lorax on in the background (laughs) or there's a cute there's a good baby tape me like mom can we watch the Lorax like do you want to watch the Lorax (laughs) because it's such a good it's a and I think it's a good introduction I think it's a tale as old as time I think it's always a good introduction to Mm -hmm. kids like if you want them that like it addresses different environmental concerns like we talk about it talks about um fashion fast fashion with the, <laughs> that, that's right it does with the, with the one slurs what what are they called the the it, oh my god why can't i remember the do you remember the name of it it's like the once his name's the one slur but it's you better get a phone and look <laughs> okay, that you up. You can talk about She's going to look that How can we not forget? So, yeah. So, so that's really great. I actually hadn't actually thought about and that. And air pollution and water pollution. And, but go ahead. And species, right? Um, species. The devastation of species and, and ecosystem loss. But I really hadn't thought about the, the fashion. As I don't think well. it was that much of a thing at the time either. No, like, it wasn't. And I think that you're right. A need. A need. Everyone needs a need. But they don't. But they don't. But the one yeah. slur tells you anything. Okay. Which, by the way, is something I think that you do, which I find fascinating, that you are very, very mindful of fashion. And it's one of the reasons why you do a lot of your shopping and thrift shops and the like, not only because it's cost efficient, but I've heard you talking with your friends. And I mean, it's very clear that you're doing it because it's it's reuse, right? Reuse, redu- redu- reuse, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. And it's reuse. And uh 
And I'm pretty impressed by that, that you do that for environmental reasons. I try. And my friend, Caitlin and I, if you guys ever want to do a skill, my Caitlin and I, um, cause Caitlin crochets and I knit. And we said like during quarantine, when we got super into it, we were like, you know, we're not going to buy sweaters anymore. Like if we want a sweater, we're going to make it. Yeah. So I've tried to, to lower that, but yeah, I just process that, that it touches on many different issues yeah. um, in fast fashion, which if you don't know, fast fashion is the concept that like, there's all these clothes that people wear for a certain period of time and throw away and the clothing is not broken or torn or whatever. But so you do create waste by buying brand new clothes when you could just go to a thrift store or somewhere and reuse clothing. So just some, yeah. a thought. And on another note, you don't have to go to a new store and buy new trousers that are filled with new holes <laughs> that were intentionally cut into them. You could actually go to a thrift shop and maybe buy old trousers that actually have genuine holes that were worked or like worked into them over time and use. Isn't that an interesting, yeah. um, but I do want to disagree with you. I actually do not like the new Lorax. I feel like they changed the final messaging mm. about not just personal responsibility, but, you know, really the, the opportunity to make a difference. There's just something, some fundamentally different shift in the end. And so I really don't appreciate the updated version. And I also don't appreciate the graphics and I don't think they're as true to the book, which is so beautifully written. So um, I advise only the original Lorax if you're gonna do the film and make sure of course that you also read the book because the, and read it out loud because it's just so beautifully written. Yeah, so, so there's the, I mean, I feel like the Lorax at this point is self-explanatory. Great movie, old time movie. Yeah. yeah, you know, another another really great movie that might initially people might say, oh, well, that's a kid's movie, but it's actually very, very good. And it's like you, it touches, it's like the Lorax, like you said about the Lorax, it touches on a lot of issues. It's great for kids, but it's also great for adults. And that's really Fern Gully. Oh my gosh, right? such an underrated movie. So good. That, so Fern Gully is about a, a guy who works for industry and is um, sent in to cut down big trees in the forest. And I forget how or why, but he gets shrunken down and he finds himself living in the forest community and experiencing what it's like to have your forest home cut down. Um, there's a bat that's batty that is the result of um, testing on, why are you looking at me crazy? I'm not, no, I'm just trying to remember it all because it's been, <laughs> I, I should have, it's one of those, Fern Gully I had on VHS. So it's been a long time since I watched it. No, he gets shrunken down. So the guy gets, I don't remember why. I don't he, remember why. But he, he gets shrunken down by like, they're like fairies or sprites that live in the forest. Oh, that's right. Him down. Uh, that's right. A, a tree or something is going to fall on him. There's a, so they yeah. all live in the big tree. So they're going through the forest and it's one of those classic stories of like there's the big tree that they all live in and like yeah. brings life to the forest. And I forget who shrinks him down, but someone shrinks him down. One of the pixies. One of the pixies. And while they're one of the problems is so there's batty and batty's great and one of the problems well, is the let's the, explain again i was explaining who batty was batty <laughs> batty is is a is a is a bat that's a little bit crazy that was um the subject of scientific experiments right yeah. so that so so that part is about animal testing and you know and and batty just has a fear of people and the his experience from being tested on and the emotional ramifications of that on on batty the bat you know plays out 
over the course of the show. So, so there's a little bit about animal testing that's yeah. in there and finish your thought. And then the, um, the part that it just, it just, that was why I was looking at you weird. Cause it just came back in my mind is the, the oil is like the evil thing. And it comes out of one of the, so it's like the big bulldozers and out of the pipe comes like the oil or the gas or whatever. And it's like this gloppy, scary thing. And it gets into the heads too of the tree cutting people are already bad. But it's like it's this extra force of like gluttony that's also pushing everyone to um, cut down the tree. And it's yeah, it's really it's creepy. I remember as a kid, like actually getting upset in a good way, like an activist kid upset of like, no, like stop it. And it's a good I think it's a great film for kids that also addresses a lot of issues. It's not scary. And it's, and and, And adults would like it too. And it's touching. And in the end, of course, the, the um, guy who was cutting down the forest to help industry um, becomes big again, and really now is transformed, right? Because he's now seen what ecological devastation means for communities in the environment, right? And, and it's not just about human communities, although he, he comes to see how humans are harmed by this kind of abuse of the environment, but he also sees how nature is harmed. And I think he also has a new perspective about testing on animals because of his dear friend, Batty. Um, So I think that Fern Gully is another good one. As you said, it really shows about how greed and gluttony and environmental devastation and degradation, you know, are all bad things. I think too, it's one of those, like, (laughs) you kind of just wish that it was real like you just wish, but it is when I see these, when I see the films, the documentaries of people like trying to fight off people cutting their trees and all that. And I think I, I do remember one time people was like, oh, just wish they would get shrunken down in Fern Gully and just like, yeah, like have their eyes mm-hmm. wide open. And it does, it sucks that like there are people in this world that don't feel that connection. And it's like, yeah, you almost wish there were little sprites that were like shrinking yeah. everyone down and be like, see, do you see? Because, yeah, I mean, I do picture some people, I do picture that like oil glob, like getting in their head yeah. and taking over. And so, of course, the more the the more recent modern version of that is Avatar, mm. where, as you said, there's the mother tree um, and everybody is connected through nature. And there is a guy who is an abusive bad guy, really, yeah. who ends up having the opportunity to become part of this nature natural community right this community that is all connected with nature i guess he's not a, well he's he's a paraplegic soldier but he's there he was there working for industry industry who wants to cut down the forest including the mother tree um in order to make money and well, I think it- he gets the the soldier gets to work with the or gets to live with the indigenous navi people mm-hmm. who are very connected um, intergenerationally and with one another and with nature through, as you say, this mother tree. And ultimately the, um, the greedy industry guys, not only do they want to cut down the forest and devastate the Navi people, but they really go after the mother tree. Well, and I think too, it's the, I think Avatar makes a good point of, because I don't think he starts out going in, like he doesn't really realize what the military is doing when he goes and becomes part of this like avatar program where he like becomes Mm -hmm. an avatar and so it's almost but he's like still participating and only because he gets exposed to them to the navi people does he actually like see oh my gosh like we're gonna like we're gonna take this beautiful tree from them we're gonna kill all this he's like holy cow and again it's like you just wish people would get i feel like those industry people don't always get exposed to the communities that they're harming 
And I think Avatar is a great example of that. And my favorite part of Avatar is someone who loves animals is how when he like rides the dragon or whenever they do the animals, they have to like connect their hair with the weird tentacle things. And it's like, they become one and it's just so beautiful. And that's what I just like wish like, yeah, when I, I don't know, when I hang out with animals or the times that I've gotten to be involved in rescue efforts, I do. I feel like this connection with the animal and I wish that other people would too. Yeah. And I think just for clarification, right? I think that there this is a military operation or a military style operation, but it's on behalf of industry, yeah. right? For making money. I believe that that's it. So Avatar is another really great, um, another really great one. And again, just showing if you can experience the devastation that you are inflicting on other people and on nature itself. Uh, you can be transformed as a person and that, that, that's really important. Um, So I really value, I really value Fern Gully and Avatar as well. Yeah. Well, Avatar is a more mainstream movie. Let's bring it back to, let's go to another one that maybe other people also haven't heard of because I don't think many people have heard of Fern Gully either. Um, Fly Away Home. That's a good one. That's an old one. Also started on VHS. Um, But Fly Away Home is basically about this um, father and his daughter and the mother has like passed away, I think from like a really tragic car accident. Um, so you like, you know, just so everyone knows, you see a little bit of that in the beginning, like the hospital scene, it's all very sad. Um, but then they come across, the daughter comes across these like geese eggs and um, they start to, to raise them and like the daughter plays with them and the dad like turns the dresser into this little um, hatchery for them and they grow and they play with them and all this stuff. And then they realize like, oh, they have to fly, fly home. They have to fly away home. They have to migrate. Um, but the spot that they're, you looking like I'm telling it wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a little piece that you have, I think, misforgotten, but that's okay. It's not a big one. Keep going. Well, as I say, I remember it's, so the dad has a, um, it's not like paragliding, but he has like this little plane thing and it's, he shapes it like a goose and he builds it and all that stuff. And he's going to fly them to a wetland or the nesting ground because I think the one that they're supposed to go to or oh it's that it's going to be dead it's going to be destroyed if they don't get the geese there it's been a minute since I watched it um they don't get the geese there they're going to destroy the nesting ground so he's like we got to get them there so it's all about training the geese how to fly and it's this beautiful like dad daughter bonding story yeah yeah and the way in the very beginning so there's there's relationship issues between the daughter and her father who she didn't really know Mm -hmm. um and she finds the geese eggs because um because development has destroyed their habitat and her father is very upset about this development that's happening and is like almost like manically crazy battling against the development and the young girl is looking at her father like he's a lunatic Mm -hmm. and you know he runs out to yell at developers at one point maybe even naked and so she thinks that her father who is an activist is is a little bit crazy which I understand my (laughs) my children do love me now but I know that there are many times when they were younger that I was a little bit of a wackadoodle and (laughs) certainly other people think that of me and that's okay um but then she finds the the geese who have, um, and the eggs, who of course they have lost their home because it's been devastated by this development. And suddenly she has a new window into um, why her father is so upset. For him, it's the environment writ large. For her, it's the environment 
that is the home to these geese. Mm -hmm. And so she raises them and trains them and becomes their mother. And they do need to move on at one point. And the question is where to? Yeah. And they learn about an ecosystem that um, if birds are not found nesting there or living there by a date certain, as a result of a contract or an agreement can now be torn down for development. Yeah. Right. So now there's this other ecosystem that's going to be lost to development that is critical habitat, but because it doesn't have a certain species of migratory bird there, something like that, it, it, it will be lost to developers. And so now they marry the, the care for and the training of these geese to fly mm -hmm. with the goal of helping to preserve this ecosystem. So she literally with her father helps fly the geese, lead the geese mm -hmm. to this ecosystem and gets saved. The birds get saved, the ecosystem gets saved. The, the father daughter have a wonderful experience together. She grows, the birds grow. Um, and she has this beautiful transformation into what it means to care for nature. Yeah, which I think is also like a good, I don't know, I think I resonated a lot with it as a kid too, because I had, because you were wonderful and I had many, many nature experiences and also had a lot of great moments in my childhood of like connecting with animals, whether it was my own pets, whether it was going out and finding a red eft in the forest. And I was like, oh, this is so, and I think she didn't get exposed to it early because yeah, I totally forgot like the father wasn't in the picture right away. Um, but through that, like she finds that connection. And like I said, have said in other episodes, sometimes you just have to find that personal note that that drives your passion for it. And that was her personal note. And it was cool. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good movie. Highly recommend. Yeah. So fly away home, another good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now we're going flopping back and forth, but Star Trek four. The Voyage Home, that is a great one. So that is the original Star Trek series, the Star Trek series that I grew up with, Captain Kirk and, and uh, Dr. Spock, Mr. Spock. And um, so this is one of the film series, right? So you had the show series and it ended. And then later on, suddenly Star Trek, um, the original Star Trek started to create some films. And so Star Trek Four was you you was of course set in the future and the earth was being attacked or about to be attacked by this weird huge technological alien something and it was sending out messages or or calls for to the earth expecting a response um and it wasn't getting that response and it turns out that this alien creature was sending out this call to humpback whales oh. that used to exist on the earth. And I think it's the, 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 um, because there were no whales, humpback whales left on the earth in the future, this thing, this entity was going to end up destroying the earth because there was no callback from the humpback. Wow. Whales. So the Star Trek um, crew goes back in time and they have to identify humpback whales and they identify some whales that are back in time, modern day, are at risk on present earth. And they end up um, taking those whales into the future, 
putting them back into, uh, I think it was San Francisco Bay. Uh -huh. And so these whales that were going to be harmed in the past go to the future and they end up saving the future Earth. And I think it's a really important message, um, you know, about the value and importance of species. We may not know what these species here that share this Earth with us contribute to our lives now potentially in the future in other ways, in terms of medicines, quality of life, economically, education, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we might not realize that, but you know, nature contributes to us in many, many ways. And so if we wanna protect ourselves and enhance our own lives, we need to show respect and care and protection for all species on this earth, because if all you care about is yourself, well, you never know how those species are going to end up helping you. But to me, and I think to you, Annika, as you just, more importantly, it doesn't matter whether these species are going to help we people yeah. here on this earth. They have their own right to be, mm -hmm. right? They have their own rights, right? Nature does have rights. The animals do have rights. The the, the trees and the rocks and the soils and the critters and the bugs and, and the rivers and mm -hmm. the trees, right? These are all living entities mm -hmm. that have their own right to have happy, healthy, free lives here on this earth. Mm -hmm. And we owe them the respect and care. But, you know, Star Trek four is for, for those who are more focused on what nature can do for them, just proving the point that you may not know, always know what nature can do for you, but it, it does a lot. And so you need to respect it and protect it. And one day, maybe you'll figure out what it does for you. And one day, maybe you won't, but it does a lot for you. And again, there are those of us who care for nature because we believe nature is deserving of our care and respect in its own right. And it doesn't have to get us stuff. Yeah. You know. Which, well, and I think that's good. And I think your point too about like that animals and nature are important outside of the human benefit because, you know, too, I think, um, not a lot of people know just because I was like an animal nerd and watch Nat Geo and all the time, like orangutans have their own culture. Literally when you go visit, I mean, so they're usually, they're not in like groups necessarily like gorillas, but like there's patches of them and all that. And so different orangutan groups, I don't know the official term. Um, there's actually different languages for some of them. There's different ways that they use their body language. There's different ways they interact. Orangutans have their own culture. Or mm -hmm. if you ever watch, um, Blackfish, which is a documentary, which is about um, sea world abuse, but they talk about the one whale, unfortunately, when they take away her baby, how there's this long distance, um, yeah, this call and that they had, and they're like, they've never heard it from any whale before. And it was this very specific long range call, like to the baby. Oh my God. I know. So it's <laughs> so sad moment, but like, yeah, that there's so many things about animals that if you don't do your research or you just, you know, probably even if you do do your research that we all don't know. I mean, even orca pods also have their own, they have their own um, different calls and things like that. And so it is like, they are their own sentient beings outside of us. And the fact that people are so callous about them. Um, I mean, I was, yeah. I, there was an ant, there was an ant, I actually filmed it. There was an ant in, 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 in our kitchen at home 
um, and it found a crumb and it wanted to get the crumb. It was carrying the crumb up the tile wall in the kitchen and it was going towards a utility outlet. Um, clearly trying to, was going to, it had a pathway, I guess, in and out of the house. <laughs> and then other ants came to help it, you know, and figure out how to get this crumb into this little opening behind the outlet. I mean, it was so cool to see this, how these ants were working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also find, right, it's not just the animals. I mean, I really experience a deep heart connection with trees and mm-hmm. with plants. And I often find myself stopping and literally hugging a tree or kissing a tree or talking to a tree or holding hands through a leaf with a tree or talking with a plant. I, I know for myself, when I go out to do my advocacy, you know, I want to make clear to myself Um, remind myself and the world and nature that when I get up and speak on an issue about environmental protection, I am doing it for nature. I'm trying to give nature a voice in our human world. And so I always make a point of going out and touching the river water or touching the tree um, and talking with them and asking them for their strength and their power and their words and their passion and to help me make sure that I am bringing into our human world the message that nature wants to get across. And when I have those interactions and just my own day-to-day interactions, I feel a very real connection with the plants and the water and the air. Um, And I don't know if other people feel that, but for me, that's very real. Um, So... Well, I think that's on the note of talking. That makes me, I wish animals could talk. And I think the first movie where I was like, I wish animals could talk to me was after watching Babe, a great classic. Um, So Babe is about a little pig. And so he and the animals can talk, but the people can't understand them. It's just, you just see the animals talking to each other. Um, And it's very sad. And so Babe starts out as this little piglet in a factory farm. And you see like the big, it's actually a nicer factory farm than what actually exists because the mom is laying down and like she's in a pen but like it's a pen with straw and she has space to move so it's yeah. actually a it's a nicer factory it's a farm nice factory farm, farm which is not a real factory yeah. farm right because they really are where they're incredibly abusive right? concrete slabs they like literally can't move at all so that was not oh. even an accurate factory farm but it was at the time a factory farm but in terms of sending good messaging to young children right and trying to educate them I think it did it did deliver the message of you know of of fear and an unhappy life of a pig in a enclosed thing versus in nature and I think too I think the opening is losing the mother yeah they like they chase all the moms out and then comes down this big like metal milking thing is what they they drink so the mom's gone um and, and they're yeah. fed by machines and they're fed by machines which yeah so and I think that is actually an accurate part of it yeah. um so I for at whatever reason the the slaughterhouse guy or whatever is walking around and he's picking up pigs and so he picks up the runt which is babe and then babe gets to go to this really great farm um and the guy who owns the farm and the the actor oh man I need to remember his name um is also a big anti-fracking activist 
Um, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, he is because he's a great. Because he's great. And we I have mean, to he's shown up at our protests to protect the Delaware River from fracking. Um, you know, he's he's uh, shown up against James Cromwell. James Cromwell, great person, great, wonderful. He's been at. Um, yeah, when I got to meet him at one at this um, clean energy rally in Philly, and he's you were just like Monica. I want you to meet someone, and I walk up, and he's got like the bucket hat. And this beard. And so if you watch Babe, he's like clean shaven. And I had not processed how tall he is. So I immediately like look up and it takes a minute. And I think that's the first time I've been starstruck. I was like, oh my God, you're you're him. Like that whole like the no words. I was like, you're you're the guy, babe. I love babe. Um, so they're all talking. So the point of the film is that um babe is this little runty pig, very small, and um James Cromwell's farm is a sheep farm. And so there's the sheep herding dogs and they're in charge of sheep herding and babe basically finds his way um, to follow the dogs and gets involved with the sheep herding. And so then it comes down to this big competition. Um, Cromwell's getting ready for the big herding competition. It comes to the end and the um, there's all these cool things about like, you know, the relationship with the animals and all that. Um, and it's up for the first time in it's like in Scotland or Ireland the sheep get herded by a pig which is babe he comes to save the day he runs down and it's but it's really cool and I mean it is it's just like it's just a good heartfelt movie yeah um, and and not only does it begin with the factory farm and the rescue from the factory farm but then you also have the conversation amongst the animals the the duck and the pig about right. the fear of being eaten right, yeah for Thanksgiving or for Christmas dinner and so you know you get to experience um, in a different way and I think it's good for children to understand that these are emotional creatures mm -hmm. and they are fearful they know what's happening to them I mean you know it's been proven in slaughterhouses the way they they funnel the animals into tighter and tighter areas to lead them to to slaughter um, when the animals actually get to the point where they are the ones that are going to be next, they freak out because they know yeah. what is coming to them. I mean, so it's really, um, and I think the dogs talk about, I think there's like a well, point and where babe, all, the animals talk yeah, about, they're it. all in a yeah. barn and they talk about like the hierarchy of the animals and the dogs are like, we don't worry about that. And I think they do kind of like tell babe, you know, like you're a pig and like pigs have a certain life on a farm until they get eaten i think and their purpose is to be yeah they yeah. i think they tell him that um and it is it's sad and i think like there's this really touching moment in the film where um babe gets gets hurt or he gets like lost in a flood and james cromwell like picks him up when he when james cromwell kind of connects with babe and he picks him up and he wraps him in a blanket and he brings him inside and um he like feeds him the water and the the power's out and this great moment where James Cromwell like starts dancing for babe and it's just like really like touching and but I mean the sad part is it's because it's like that's the animal that's the one pig he made a connection with in this in the story yeah. um but it just goes to show like I think you see a lot of we do see um you know there are places where dogs are eaten and people are very upset about it and you know one of the big conversations is well why is a dog different than a pig and I think it's a pig has like the emotional capacity or intelligence of like a three-year-old mm -hmm. so it's like yeah why is this animal different and if you ever go to Ithaca New York yes. go to the farm sanctuary and see all the wonderful animals that they rescue 
um, that are saved and they are so great. I love, there's a cow. I don't know if he's still there, but his name is Thunder and I love Thunder. He is one of my favorite. He's just like a big puppy dog. They are, they're like big puppy dogs. Yeah. And that's another good um, book, right? I think, I don't know if Babe's based on it, but I always likened Babe to the book Hope, yeah. right? And Hope is about the rescued pig, a pig rest, who was who was at a factory farm who got thrown away because I think it, it broke its leg or it's got very sick and they literally threw it into a dumpster and the people from the farm sanctuary, like real life, heard it. I think it's the and same rescued one. it. Yes, it is. It's the farm so sanctuary in New York. And they rescued it. And then, you know, Hope was brought back and had this wonderful life. And so um and yes, ultimately in Babe, well, we won't give away the ending, although pe people may know it, but Babe is another <laughs> is another beautiful one. So I want to go back to an older film that um was was that came out when I was young and actually up at a cabin in a forest in New York, we watched this film a couple of months ago. And because I just wanted, I thought it was a good film and I thought that my kids would like it. Um, and then I was like struck because it had environmental themes in it and, and support for environmental activism. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, so it was Heaven Can Wait, Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. And this is about a football player who was on the road to success. Um, who ends up getting involved in an accident or is about to get involved in an accident and an angel who is one of the angels that comes down and sort of takes souls up to heaven mm. um, wants to help Warren Beatty's character not experience the pain of this accident and so pulls his soul oh. too early and in fact Warren Beatty's character was going to um, avoid the accident. He he was he was you know going to through quick action was not going to end up dying. Uh -huh. But now his soul's been removed and his body gets taken away. And there you go. So now he's up in heaven and um, he ends up getting put back. Like the angel has to find a way to make it right. And so puts him his soul into the body of a very um, wealthy man who died oh. right and but like the swap happens right away yeah and so um so now there is new life for this football player and um everybody's surprised because the 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 wealthy man who died was a real asshole right and he was a greedy guy and he ran industrial operations that devastated environments and communities and spewed pollution um, into the air and into the water. And he had been receiving this, um, this wealthy man had been receiving letters from a small community in England named Peglesham, where there was going to be constructed a big um, factory, a plastic bottle manufacturing plant that was going to release poisons into the environment and devastate the environment and the health of the communities there. And the people from Peglesham had been writing to this guy, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Okay, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> and the rich guy was ignoring them. And, um, you know, and wouldn't, and she had traveled to try to speak mm. at a board meeting, right? And force her way in to be heard, right? Really sounds, good activism. Like someone else I know. <laughs> I know, great stuff. And, 
But now with Warren Beatty in the body of this guy, suddenly she gets a hearing, right? So she thinks she's dealing with this asshole and she's like going after him. And suddenly he's listening. Mm-hmm. And um, and he not only responds mm-hmm. to the, 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 the people of Peglesham who want to be protected from this manufacturing plant, but there are other horrible things that this business has been doing. Mm-hmm. And so he really works in this new role he's in to not only um, become a nice person and um, get his body in shape because the the rich guy was apparently in very bad shape and a very large man. And, um, but he reforms the company Mm -hmm. and makes it a company that's respectful of the environment and respectful of people and and is positive to activists and supportive of activism. So it was just really cool. And you're right. It's like, really was like, oh my gosh, that looks so much like my life. And I just, I always remembered the story about, Mm -hmm. you know, about the football player who had this second life and then ultimately ends up, well, I'm not going to get the end away. Yeah. It's really cool ending. Um, But the idea that it was this was a show that also like like babe and you know babe not as overt as fern gully and avatar but had on the side like this this softer messaging of the power and importance of activism activists and environmental protection Mm -hmm. and so if um it's really well it's a really great story in and of itself and that little side um messaging it really resonates with me and should resonate with other activists. So heaven can wait with Warren Beatty. I don't know if there's been a more modern version made, but don't watch it. Go to the original if there has Always been. Always go to the original. Um, so then that brings us to, we've got our little list of movies we wanted to cover. Um, so definitely a classic, I think that everyone knows is Wally. Um, and Wally is the little robot that gets left behind on earth to clean up all the trash and um humans are up in these big fancy spaceships and you know they're supposed to return to earth one day Um, one day when the earth is shown to support life again support life again yeah so wally's so there's robots that are cleaning up trash and then there's robots that are like searching for life and so wally's like pretty pretty old at this point like he's been there too long and um and then he finds at one point he finds a little or not him there's a robot that comes down eve and Eve is the one searching for life. Wally cleans up trash and Eve is like scanning for life. Yeah. So the ship with the humans who at this point don't do anything, they lie around on um, lounge chairs and they become very, very large and they just drink their food, liquid food out of straws. So they don't have the joy of delicious food. They just sort of suck up food. Yeah. And they're, they've sent Eve down to see if there's life. Yeah. And so Eve eventually scans and she finds a little plant, which is the first sign of life. Um, and so when she takes it, or I think Wally might find it first. I'm not positive, but it's I know they both time. go back up to the human ship. Yeah. And so, but I think there is, I think there's a point in it actually where they don't, the, the people who control humanity now at this point don't want to go back. Exactly. And so Eve gets it, gets the plant. Like when Eve, so eventually she gets the plant in her like pod. And then she shuts down and Wally can't turn her back on because she's supposed to like protect the plant. Um, And she goes back and they're the corporate people. That's just what I'm going to call them. The corporate people, we might know who they are in the modern era, um, don't want humans to go back. Like they want them to stay on this ship. Okay, great. Like they can make all this convenience off of people. And there are, I think, two of the the humans kind of figure out like, wait, like, and they see, and they're not really aware of what earth used to be. I think that like they're, 
too far removed from earth. And so then they see all the videos of like how beautiful it was and like what it is now. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I think Wally might, there's, I, I forget how they see it, but yeah, they see it. They realize, I don't think they were on earth. No, when they these left. are like generations yeah. in the future. That's why they're just large roly poly people <laughs> drinking their slop, which is food, but not really. And so they want to go back and it is, it's kind of that, again, that touching, like when people connect with nature and they really like feel that power, they want to like fight for it. Even people who didn't experience nature firsthand, but then be like, oh my gosh, this is better than, than what we have yeah. and wish lots of other people would react that way. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's a really, so Wally is one. another one. <laughs> it's another child's film that I think, oh my gosh, I have dust in my throat. <laughs> child's film that resonates with adults. <laughs> so, so the next movie we're going to talk about is also kind of an old one. It's called um, Promised Land. Well, it's not Promised Land, is it? Promised Land's not old. So I just have to go choke. I'll be right back. You keep talking about Promised Land. <laughs> okay. Um, so while she's gone, Promised Land is a story with John Krasinski and Matt Damon. Um, and so basically Matt Damon starts out as he's working for this anti, or, or he, Matt Damon's working for a fracking company and his job is to go into the communities and, you know, go door to door and say, like, if you have, if you allow us to drill in your, in your yard, here's the amount of money you could receive. Here's what we'll do. Here's the benefits. And it's a pretty poor um rural farming community as frackers tend to like to target anyway so it's very accurate i would say it's very accurate it's he's a, he's the yeah he's the salesman who's tricking them into signing leases by pretending fracking's no problem and yeah and so he one of the things is he goes there having a him and his partner have like a town hall in the local school's gymnasium and he's talking about it and then this high school science teacher gets up and is like well like starts pointing out the flaws and, you know, Matt Damon's like, with all due respect, sir, like I'm this expert. And I think the high school science teacher actually has this very intense educational background, like PhD, all that stuff. But Matt Damon only knows him as the high school science teacher. Um, and then there are some local uh, community activists that get involved. There's this, it starts off basically as this whole story of how the fracking company is trying to pull in the local people and how other local people and activist groups are trying to um, keep them out. Keep them out. And there's a big twist in it that I don't want to give away because it's really, really good. Um, and it's very surprising. And it does show how um, fracking companies will, I think, go to extreme lengths. And I don't think it's a far shot. I don't know if it's based on a true story. Um, I'm not sure if it's based on a true story. I think in many ways, it's pretty reflective of, of what actually happens and how um, you know, you end up with communities that are torn apart because some who want or need the money believe the frackers um, and others who, you know, um, want to protect the environment, protect their communities, have looked at the facts and the science, care about future generations and want to say no. Yeah. Um, and so you really literally have communities torn apart and devastated by this industry before the industry even comes in and actually devastates them with their fracking operations, which they do, which is even more painful. I think the one thing about Promised Land was you know, in the environmental activism community, um, especially those of us who uh, battle against fracking, I think there were a lot of concerns because there were many aspects of fracking and the devastations of fracking that were soft peddled mm -hmm. by the film. And so there were many who were pretty opposed to it and pretty angry about it. 
I think where I fell down on it was that I felt like for people, and this came out right pretty early on in, in the, in the fracking battles. I can't remember what year, but you know, certainly people like me were well-informed, but in terms of the normal, um, you know, conversation, well, communities, right? Mm -hmm. What is it? The public, public awareness. There wasn't all that much awareness at the time. So this was one of the first films that was going to introduce mainstream communities and, 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 and others to, this yeah. industry. So I felt like to the extent that you were taking people who were pro fracking, knew nothing, had only heard the, the, the um, commercials from the fracking industry that said fracking is great and it's good for climate, blah, 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 that perhaps that this was a good introduction to make them learn enough to want to learn more or learn enough to realize that this was a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, it was not, it, it was not totally upfront and honest mm -hmm. about everything, but I felt like as an introduction for mainstream communities, it was probably a good entryway to yeah. get people to start to listen and be involved and understand that things were not what they seemed. So, yeah, I would but. agree. So another film <laughs> that is, you know, it's not so much about the environment per se, but it is about protection of indigenous communities. And, you know, indigenous communities are, are the original protectors of our earth um, and are, are protectors today, right, of the environment, water protectors, mm -hmm. tree protectors, forest protectors, forest guardians, you know, in the rainforest, um, and are so vitally important for environmental protection and you know are vitally important to our communities and of course we have abused indigenous communities across the u.s and around the world yeah um since time immemorial which is horrifying and so this film really speaks to those kinds of issues um as well as issues of, of slavery i think mm -hmm. um quigley down under so quigley down under it's about a, a sharpshooter from the U.S. who goes to, Aus, is it Australia? Australia. Or Australia. In response to a, an advertisement looking for, somebody's looking for a long-range sharpshooter. And he responds to that ad and he comes to Australia. And long story short, what he finds out is that he's been hired to shoot indigenous peoples mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and to pick them off with his long range shooting. He, and is, it's awful too, cause the guy, it's not like a government thing either. It's like a guy who has a ranch and just doesn't want the Aboriginal people around. So it's like a private guy who hired him to do it too for like his own greed. Yeah, right. It's another, it's right. It's another greedy guy, um, you know, who just, wants to build his own fortunes and literally he doesn't care that he's killing other people. And in fact, he's intentionally killing other people Yeah, um, and destroy and taking their homes and yeah. taking their original homelands and yeah. their native lands. Um, and so the Quigley ends up um, really going after the landowner yeah. in defense of the Aboriginal peoples. And there are many emotional aspects of this, of this story, many um, challenges between the bad guy and the good Quigley um, and how Quigley actually uses his sharpshooting skills 
to protect the Aborigines from the um, the hired hands yeah. of the rich guy who he then sends out instead of Quigley. And like, there are some really horrifying scenes where you, you know, frankly, reminiscent of the mm-hmm. recent scenes where, you know, the, um, where uh, U.S. officials were on horseback going after the people from Haiti, the refugees from yeah. Haiti and trying to herd them. I mean, it was really sadly reminiscent of that. Um, and Definitely, if you watch it, there are, there are some very intense yeah. scenes, so be aware. It's Yeah, where they literally, the, the, um, the hired hands from the rich guy on horseback start to herd the Aborigines and force them to run off a cliff. And, um, you know, and die. And then there's, there's, but there's one lone child that survives and Quigley and this woman, um, crazy woman that he ends up hooking up with, who turns out not to be so crazy, you know, ends up saving this child. Anyway, it's a really powerful, emotional, important film, I think, to, to um, remind us of how abusively white people have been to mm-hmm. indigenous people in countries around the nation mm-hmm. and how those of us who want to rise up and champion good whether it's indigenous rights environmental rights you know what we have to do is take our talents and stand up for good and in their defense and we really can make a difference but this does it it's a western um but just really yeah, beautiful and powerful. And I always wanted, like, I, I, I love this film, and I saw it for the first time years ago. And then I showed it to to you and Vim. Anka, yeah. And I was like, like, oh, I wonder if they'll like it. Like, it really resonated with with me. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I think it's actually surprisingly one of my. I think when I first started watching, I was like, oh my god, this could be another Western movie. Like, cool, great. But then, yeah, when you see the story, um, you know, and I think, and it does highlight. To the fact, I think like you're saying that people have been so abusive and we know that. And I think it, I have rewatched it many a time. I think I like rewatch every couple of years and it has highlighted for me more now than ever too, that like, you know, not just making sure that people are aware of the abuses of indigenous people, but making sure that like indigenous people are brought to the front lines to tell those stories, to bring that up, to remind people like that, you know, they're not some, as many people have a misconception that native American people don't exist anymore, but like that they're here and they need to be upfront and talking about this because people have been so white people have been so fucking cruel. Um, and I think that was the thing in that movie. I think that was probably the first movie I watched that I think I saw like a reenactment of some of the horrible things and doesn't even scratch the surface of it. But I think, yeah, I think, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that specific, but it, it's very, mm-hmm. it's a very intense film, very touching. And it does, um, you know, it is interesting to see how he connects with the people that he was originally hired to kill. Um, and I think, and they save his life. The upper, there's a point where they save his life. Um, mm-hmm. And he sees that like all the story, and that's the thing too, all the stories that the, the local white people were telling about Aboriginal people, he like had started to think about until he actually like, you know, meets them and, they, and he gets introduced to their traditions and like a ceremony. I think that it seems like they kind of bring him back from the dead is what I think happens. Yes. And how he's like, like everything that everyone says is wrong because it's white people who don't actually know what they're talking about. But to be clear, <laughs> he didn't need to be rescued True. to, to have that moral principled stance that like he, 
as soon as he learned that he was being hired for yeah before the killing he already took the rich man and and beat the crap out of him and threw him out of his own home yeah and then the rich man's hired hands beat the crap out of quigley and threw him out into the desert to die yeah yeah, and then the aborigines share uh, save him and the woman the crazy woman that um is with him so that's a really a really um that's a really good one that yeah that i like and is powerful it's a long film it's a long film but it's really worth the time um a film that i actually saw annika um reminds me of that i saw recently with um your bonus dad my wonderful husband david uh is a film called wind river um and it is about missing and murdered native american women which i know is an issue that you care deeply about yeah i mean i think it's something that I think well, I, was, I care deeply about it too, but I know that it's something that you have. I should say, I was saying we both care deeply about it. Uh, I think I've just been, um, I've been invited to some, you know, uh, working out here in New Mexico, I got to go to the Indian Affairs Committee where there was a, um, a joint hearing was specifically talking about the MM, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women movement. Um, and I think we all know too, with Gabby Petito, you know, and that unfortunate incident, it has also brought awareness to a lot of people that, that one white girl did get a lot of attention and there are missing indigenous women every day that don't get the news coverage that she got, you know, and Gabby deserves to be honored and all that, but every single person that goes missing should get that same amount of coverage or that same amount of attention. Um, and so I actually have, so I was looking up in preparation for this too, this episode, um, that in 2019, um, more than 5,590 native American women were reported missing. And, um, it's weird it's hard to say this is like a leading cause because I feel like every time we talk about leading cause of death it's like cancer and smoking but for indigenous women murder is the third leading cause of death um you know so that's so this is um so wind river um raises that issue of missing and murdered uh indigenous women writ large and uh, there talks, you go into a Native American community and and you see some of the families that have been suffering from, it's, it's fiction, but have been suffering, you know, they've lost a family member, but then the story is based around, there was a new woman who was found out in the snow who clearly was running for her life. She had been raped and was running for her life and died. Mm -hmm. because she was running through the snow in the wilderness for her life and so they really there's an exploration of you know solving the mystery of Mm -hmm. what happened to her um and through that exploration discussion about missing and murdered indigenous women um and it looks a little bit at native culture and you know how deeply they're impacted by a number of inequities um foisted upon them you know in society modern day and historical society here you know in our country where again from the the moment white people stepped foot on this soil Mm -hmm. we have taken their lands and abused their communities Mm -hmm. the other interesting and i say that in a very gross way um twist on this is it actually connects up with the abuses of the fossil fuel industry, because another one of the devastating ramifications of the fossil fuel industry is that when the fossil fuel industry comes into a community, they set up what are called man camps, where the workers work. And you find that crime and drugs 
and abuse abuses on women go up mm-hmm. and there is a connection and I'm not going to give away the ending because um, I don't want to do that but there is a connection between the fossil fuel industry and a man camp and what has happened to this mm-hmm. woman with a twist so um, but so Wind River is one that I I saw recently. And again, there's environmental and also just social justice. Yeah. That sounds like messages. definitely I'll have to watch that. And that sounds like something everybody should watch. Um, especially with, you know, the awareness becoming what it should be. And I, yeah. Although I will say there's, there's a, an element to the film that I find horrifying because while there are these important is- issues that come through in that film too, there is a sharpshooter and what is, and he's part of the federal government and what's his job? His job is to shoot the predators that hunt down um, domestic sheep oh. that are on public land. So, so this guy is in the film as a hero kind of guy, but that's what his job is mm-hmm. for the federal government. And so that part of it, you know, I find horrifying. Yeah, and hate that too as well um that's a, so anyway yeah lots of points to touch on lots of points to touch on Did like so many of these and we have time for one more just really fast right planet of the apes the series of the planet of the apes right that goes back to your comparison between eating dogs and eating pigs you know mm-hmm. um in a way planet of the apes right whole series and it is a series that is based on future on the future where apes um, have a higher level of intelligence and are incredibly abusive to humans. They enslave them, they beat them, they test scientifically, test on them, do all sorts of horrifying things to people. And of course, that is a representation of what people do to animals Mm -hmm. all the time in our modern communities yeah so that's a really series worthwhile watching lots of twists and an old one with powerful messaging there's oh also gosh. new ones and they're oh they're new oh, yeah they've they've, redone, they've redone i think they've redone the series like two times there's like and i just watched one i forget i think it's with matt damon in it and it's like there's that version and then there's like the new ones where they like cgi in the yeah. chimps and all that um they're and all they're, interesting takes on it but the are. central message is again that it's like oh my god apes are so cruel and it's like oh we do that every single day like yeah. literally right now yeah and and i think at least one of the key actors in the original series is a guy who is very sketchy when it comes to um social issues and so that always bothers me. We won't go into that, but it always bothers me when, you know, I find out that somebody who is an actor in a film making gobs of money is somebody who in real life um, is, is really abusive mm-hmm. to other people or the environment in terms of their own, you know, real life stories. So you got to get over that one a little bit. Yeah. Great show. I hope we've introduced people to some really great new films 
that they should be watching. And like Annika said, if you have some films that you think we should be watching or bring up perhaps in a future show talking about environmental and social justice films, how should they tell us about it, Annika? Go to our Instagram at Green Amendments. It's not the podcast Instagram. It's Maya's nonprofit, which everyone should follow anyways. But we're checking it always. So feel free to shoot us a DM on Instagram at Green Amendments and tell us what movies we should watch. And please share, share, share. Tell everybody about our Green Jeans podcast about the For the Generations, Green Amendments for the Generations movement, about the Delaware Riverkeeper Network that does important activism. Um, Spread the word, get involved, support us with donations because every penny goes to good works. And consider buying the book, The Green Amendment. It's a great read. It's an award winner. um, And it's a good gift. The Green Amendment, securing our right to a healthy environment is going to be available. So go to www.forthegenerations.org and we will get you a signed copy of that book right out. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you and tune in next week.